This video is brought to you by Blessed Be God Boutique, maker of Catholic fashionable apparel, handmade accessories, and more. The reactions to the Synod of Sin have been coming in from some, you will say, the unusual places, some very mainstream places. Some bishops who participated or who are close to those who did participate are speaking out about the true intent of the Synod of Sin, which is to impose radical new doctrines and radical changes on the church through a change in how the church is governed. These are not statements made by fringe actors in the church. These are being made by the most mainstream news outlets in the church, as well as by cardinals and bishops who participated in the process. The final document of this phase of the synod was a contained many, many breakings from the teachings of the church on issues about the Eucharist, ecumenical relations, the role of the laity, and a few others. But on the governance issue, the Synod of Sin and its draft document early Saturday evening represents a revolutionary moment in the church. And it's not one for the better, although true revolutions never are anyway. I went over the document itself early Sunday morning in a live stream. If you didn't see it, go check that out. Let's get right into the news of the day. Well, let's begin with a mainstream Catholic media news outlet warning about the real purpose of the Synod of Sin. Headline from the National Catholic Register. A synodal long game? Changing structure to change doctrine. News analysis. Some synod on synodality participants seem intent on radically altering the way the church teaches. Now, this article cites the synod's final document. Anyway, the synod was about a lot of things, of course. It talked at length about deaconettes, and it didn't seem to care that Francis issued a statement that is meant to look like the discussion is closed on that issue. The Synod did this by including the deaconettes issue in its ambiguous document. But the real focus was on how the church is governed, with calls for it to be decentralized and less bureaucratic. The form advocated for looks suspiciously that, like that of the failing Anglican communion. But let's take a look at this point made in the article, which focuses on the long game being played by the leading voices uh, at the Synod of Sin. And it begins by reminding us of all the talk about the synod itself, calling for specific doctrinal questions addressed and to be changed, but then pivots to this overlooked point. Quote, But some participants may be using the synodal process to try to change something arguably even more fundamental, the way the church determines its doctrine altogether, grounded in a contested understanding of the Second Vatican Council, this approach arguably diminishes the teaching authority of bishops by making institutionalized consultation a primary and necessary criterion for decision-making, including decisions on Catholic doctrine, changing church structures. A topic of discussion at the Synod on Synodality is considered a vital step for securing this objective. It's an approach that has been identified by some of its proponents as a possible blueprint for attempting to change established teaching, including doctrine related to ordination and act the activities and purposes of the flesh. And within the Synod Assembly this October, some Synod on Synodality participants, including key theological advisors, have been advocating for it. This development places significant scrutiny on any forthcoming mention by the Synod of Synodality of new structures in connection with determining doctrine, some of which are mentioned in a draft of the Assembly's final text, and in the final text itself, according to a report. 
For instance, the draft states that the census fide, or the supernatural sense of faith possessed by all believers, is enhanced by, quote, synodal processes, which also, quote, allow for verifying the existence of that consensus of the faithful, the consens fidelium, which is a sure criterion for determining whether a particular doctrine or practice belongs to the apostolic faith. The connection between consultation via synodal processes and determining the authenticity of, quote, a particular doctrine or practice is part and parcel of the vision proponents of this contested ecclesiology have sought to achieve for decades and may be a step closer to if these kinds of structural changes come out of the synod, end quote. The synod is not done. It's reconvening in about a year to finalize everything. And it's aimed at using the worst catechized generations in the history of the church to determine if something really is doctrine of the church or not. That's what the author is saying in more formal, more respectful ways than I'm willing to. What doctrines would this include? Well, all the hot-button ones, including whether priests can be married or not, who can and cannot be ordained, and of course, the James Martin sin. When it came out that the synod final document did not mention the James Martin sin except in very vague passing terms, the priest in question, Pastor Jimmy Martin of the Jesuit Church, was mostly silent on Twitter. He had, in fact, been uncharacteristically silent for most part on the social media platform during the synod, mostly retweeting a few stories here and there and tweeting about well wishes to people and calls for prayer during the ongoing chaos in the world, all of which is generally fine and something a priest would do on social media. But he was at least very reserved in all of this. And at the time of the production of this video, silent on even the lack of inclusion of the James Martin topic in the final synod document. It's probably because that topic is going to be picked back up in October 2024, because Francis told us it was going to be, at the real final meeting of the Synod of Sin, which is, again, October of next year. But the purpose of the Synod of Sin was to put the place in place the groundwork for changing doctrine through the pressure of the laity. That is how you get irreversible change in the church through the laity, many of whom have lost the faith and don't even know it, or who never had the Catholic faith to begin with, because what they were taught was something totally alien to the faith. And that brings me to this. Cardinal Mueller gave an interview just before the final document was released, hours before the final document was released. He warns the church that the Synod of Sin is about changing doctrine, and especially doctrine on morality of the flesh. It's worth reminding people here that virtually every heretical movement in history was tied to sins of the flesh, including and especially the errors of Luther and his merry band of heresiarchs. Luther famously married a nun and enticed bishops to leave the Catholic Church by offering them nuns to marry, for example. What a guy, right? Anyway, here's what Cardinal Mueller had to say about this in his interview with the National Catholic Register, which gives us this headline. Cardinal Mueller says a synod on synodality is being used by some to prepare the church to accept false teaching. The prefect emeritus of the congregation, now dicastery, for the doctrine of the faith assesses the first phase of the synodal gathering at the Vatican. Again, this is not rad trads online with overinflated egos and a YouTube show or podcast audience saying this. This is being said by Cardinal Archbishop of the Church, who had been the prefect for the congregation, now dicastery, of the doctrine of the faith, one of the most important roles in Rome. Whatever else you may think of Mueller, and many don't like him because he was and may still be pretty theologically liberal on many issues, 
As a former prefect for that now dicastery, he would know a thing or two about attempts to change the doctrine of the faith. When asked about the synod and his impressions on it, he makes it clear that this was all predetermined from the start, and that the Holy Spirit at the synod apparently only spoke through those who had been hand-picked by the people running it to speak, or so were led to believe. Again, that's how he characterizes it. From the interview, quote, I was invited by the Pope to participate, as a bishop, as a former prefect of the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith, and just spoke about my theological competence. I was asked about the difference between the former synods also in terms of its method. It's very clear that in the former synods, the bishops were the subjects who led it all. Its organization and its input did not come from above. In the former synods, all the bishops in the plenary could speak about what they wanted. Now everything is led. It's pre-organized, and it is difficult to speak in the plenary because it's only a short time is given, and according to the rules, you can only speak once, and only for three minutes. Some speakers said we must be open to the Holy Spirit, but the voices of the Holy Spirit were the persons invited to speak to the assembly. These were the voices of the Holy Spirit, as if we were beginners in the study of theology. It was like seminary or at university, but a synod is not a school for beginners. And yet they were speaking to us as if the bishops don't know much theology. Many bishops there understood theology and they couldn't speak of their knowledge. End quote. Yeah, that sounds like a recipe for disaster. Cardinal Mueller gave an example of what he's talking about, though. He spoke about how a person at the Synod said we need to be open to the James Martin ideology of the flesh. Not the people themselves who are struggling with sin and trying to overcome it, but to the ideology itself. That's a total surrender on the issue. We're told the Holy Spirit was talking through that person. If you can believe it. He then hits us with this whopper and follows it up with another that I will just include here when responding to the question of if this all applies to how the church is governed. Quote, They don't speak of the Holy Spirit, only of the Spirit. But the first letter of St. John, the fourth chapter, in the beginning says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. But this you know the Spirit. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Some speakers also speak of openness and define what tradition is, saying that it is not static, it's dynamic. But in the end, all of these so-called synodal reflections are aimed at preparing us to accept the James Martin topic. Only this. What wasn't spoken about was Jesus Christ, or divine revelation, the grace of human persons created according to the image and likeness of God, and of God as the goal of our human existence. All is being turned around, so now we must be open to the James Martin topic and the ordination of women. If you analyze it, all is about converting us to these two themes. Yes, some have this image of, quote, an inverted pyramid of governance, but at the center of this pyramid is the personal will of the Pope and of his advisors and collaborators. This can be an image for making clear to children, but a pyramid or polyhedron is not a biblical image of the church. These are images coming out of mathematical geometry. Instead, they should be looking towards biblical images of the church, 
in Lumen Gentium, the shepherd and the flock, and all these images of a vineyard and so on. Some speakers had a sociological idea of the church, a naturalistic or materialistic understanding of the church, but they did not have the theological understanding. They're always speaking of the Spirit, but the Spirit is not a fluid. The Spirit in the church is the third person of the Trinity. He is a person, and we can never speak of the Holy Spirit without the Son and the Father. Always and at all times, we speak of the Spirit of the Father and of the Son. Hardly ever mentioned was Jesus Christ, only in a pedagogical way, in ways that transform the parables and their meaning. Jesus didn't condemn the woman in adultery, for instance. Intervention spoke of our relation to Jesus, but not as Jesus as the Word of God, given to us once and forever. End lengthy quote. Cardinal Mueller finishes by telling us what we knew, that the faith and morals were barely ever mentioned at the Synod of Sin, and they told us this was going to be the case when it started, that this was not a meeting about that. He describes the whole process as manipulated, and again, for those defending the final document and claiming it was all no big deal, what do you make of that? <laughs> I'm sure we're going to be treated to accusations that Cardinal Mueller is just sore, that he's not the prefect for the dicastery of the doctrine of the faith anymore. A dismissive smear that is similar to those we've seen leveled at Vigano, who's been saying basically the same thing about the synod of sin and the ongoing problems in the church in far more strident terms than Cardinal Mueller has, but they're saying essentially the same thing. But for the rest of you, the far more sensible among you, whether more moderate than I am or more radically traditional than I, and everyone in between, what do you make of this? These came from the National Catholic Register, which is pretty mainstream as Catholic news outlets go in the English-speaking world. What do you make of all of this? Is this just the revolution of changing doctrine through hyper-papalization and uh, democratization of the church? Or is it all overblown? Let me know what you think about all this in the comments, please, and hit like and subscribe if you haven't, because it does really help, as does sharing this on social media, because that helps too. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.